So if you haven't already, open to Philippians chapter 4. And we'll start in verse 4. Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So Paul starts this section, this thought, with the idea of rejoicing. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. This word rejoice, we've talked about it in this series. It's a mega theme in the book of Philippians, is the idea of rejoicing. Rejoicing is a state of being based on joy. Not happiness that comes and goes, not pleasure that is fleeting, but joy. A state of being that is based on joy. That's what rejoicing is. And we're told here by Paul to rejoice in the Lord when? Always. All the time. Not based on our circumstances. Not based on what's going on around us. Not based on how we feel. Not when we get all the things done. Not when the future is totally taken care of in every option is provided for. No, rejoice in the Lord always. And then Paul repeats himself and he says, again, I will say rejoice. Why does he repeat himself? Because he anticipates our objection. He anticipates us saying, yeah, but. He anticipates the fact that when we are told to rejoice or to have joy, our first thought is, yeah, but. Yeah, but you don't know what's going on in my life. Yeah, but you don't know the circumstances. You don't know where I've been. You don't know where I've done. You don't know what family I grew up in. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know what my day has been like. I can't rejoice if, 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 if. But Paul here says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. He is saying that worshiping God looks like rejoicing means basking in the joy of what God has already done for us, even when we don't know what the future holds. This is what worship of God looks like. He's saying over and above and through your anxiety, we need to start with worship, with rejoicing in the Lord. Then the second thing we read is, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This word reasonableness, it means leniency. It means mercy. It means gentleness. It's a term that's used in the court of law when someone is found guilty, but the judge lets them go free. It's lenience. That's what we are being told to have towards one another. So basically, in summary, what Paul is doing here is he's repeating the teachings of Jesus as he summed up the law and the prophets. Worship God through rejoicing and love one another through being lenient towards one another. He is showing us the kind of life we are supposed to be living. This is the purpose for our lives. This is the purpose for our lives. So how do we get there? Next section, the end of verse 5, beginning of verse 6. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Before we move forward, we have four questions to answer. Why is the Lord at hand in verse 5 and not in verse 6? Why is there a semicolon in the English translation? When is the Lord at hand and why does this help with anxiety? We're going to go through this briefly, I promise. But we have to answer these four questions for two reasons. One, it's a complex sentence that in the Greek looks totally different than it does in the English. So we got to do some work. The second reason is it's vitally important. We cannot overcome anxiety without understanding what Paul is trying to say here. So first, why is the Lord at hand in verse 5 instead of verse 6? 
somewhat hidden in the book of Philippians, though it's there. It's not the main theme, but it is a theme, is Paul reminding the church that one day Jesus will return. It's in every chapter. He says, rejoicing and joy comes from remembering that one day Jesus will come again. And he wants to remind them of that. And he says, not only that, but it's important what you're doing when Jesus comes back. He's saying you need to be rejoicing because the Lord's day is at hand, his return is at hand, and you need to be treating each other a certain kind of way based on the fact that the Lord will return one day. That's why the Lord is at hand is connected to the concepts we've already talked about in verses 4 and 5. So what's the deal with this semicolon? Well, commentators can't decide where this phrase, the Lord is at hand, goes. In the Greek, it's its own sentence, which makes it even more confusing. It's a whole sentence, the Lord is at hand. So commentators don't know whether to connect it to verses 4 and 5 or the rest of what verse 6 says, so they just punted and put a semicolon in there. So that's why the semicolon is there. That's the best I've got for that. But it's important, and here's why it's important. Because the Lord's return and the imminent and soon return of the Lord and the fact that he will set up an earthly reign again here on this earth provides for us in our time of anxiety. So I believe that the Greek construction of this and the English kind of punt on the translation is because the Lord is at hand connects both of these concepts together. As we are rejoicing and as we are loving one another, we need to remember that the Lord is at hand. And when we remember the Lord is at hand, we can overcome our anxiety. We can overcome our anxiety. When we remember that the Lord is at hand. So why does this concept help with anxiety? Because there are things that we have done in the past and there's things that have been done to us that make the good news hard to believe. That cause more anxiety the more we think about them. So we need to know that the Lord is with us and he sat on a throne and he was in charge of everything even when really hard stuff happened. He was faithful even when we were faithless. He was a good, loving, heavenly father no matter what our earthly father was like or if we knew our earthly father. Today, for the everyday reality that we face today, we need to know that the Lord is at hand for our everyday reality. And when it comes to the future, we need to know that the Lord is at hand then too, and someday he will come again. We'll talk more about this at the end of the sermon. But at the end of the day, in summary, these verses give us someone to trust. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can remember that the Lord is at hand. And so the someone to trust is Jesus. Much of our anxiety comes from the fact that we have trusted people that let us down. And so we fear that God is going to be like them. And so we're anxious. Let's keep reading. The rest of verse 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Here, Paul gives us something to do. We need something to do when we are anxious. And here he starts with, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray. He puts this here for guys like me that can get anxious about anything. What's the weirdest thing you've ever been anxious about? Let's just go around and share right here. 
I love having this conversation when I find out that people have chronic anxiety issues like I do. I'm like, oh, what's the weirdest thing you've ever been anxious about? And everyone's got a story. I can be anxious about anything, anything. But Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, anticipates that and says, in everything, by prayer and supplication. He tells us here to pray about everything. Paul says the opposite of thinking about everything is praying about everything. And it may not be that stark for you right now. This is my reality. I'm praying or I'm anxious. I get to choose. Am I praying or am I anxious? Maybe that's not you, but you will, there will come a time when that is you. There will be circumstances where you either pray about it or it will consume you with worry and fear and anxiety. Here Paul says, pray about those things. Talk to God about them. And then he says, by prayer and supplication, which means asking. Ask God for the things that you need. See, anxiety is prayer. It's just to the wrong God. Anxiety is prayer to self. Anxiety is trying to solve your own problems and provide for yourself, but the prayers keep hitting the ceiling in your brain. And you just keep trying to answer your own prayers. And if you try to answer your prayers, you're going to get more anxious. Believe me, I've tried. It says by prayer and with asking. Ask God for what you need and then have a posture of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the anecdote to my anxiety because when I am thankful, I remember who the true giver is. And I remember the one who actually sits on the throne. And I remember the one I actually should be praying to. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Instead of just dwelling on them, instead of just thinking about them, here God is giving us something to do. Thanksgiving is acknowledging that God is the giver of all things and that he's the giver of good gifts. And he is the one that is already supplied for you and he will supply for you in the future. So we need someone to trust. That's Jesus. The Lord is at hand. We need something to do by prayer and supplication. Pray about everything. Ask God for what we need. Thank God. Make our requests known to God. But what is the outcome of this way of life. We find it in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is what we need. We need the peace of God. Because only he can provide peace that is over and through and against our anxiety. We need the peace of God. We don't need the peace of man because man has no peace. We cannot provide peace for ourselves. We cannot provide peace for others. No one else is going to provide perfect peace for you. But we need the peace of God. And where is it found? In Christ Jesus. Because of what Christ Jesus has done and because we can be found in him, which Paul keeps going back to, not only in Philippians, but throughout all of his letters, if we are in Christ, we can experience the peace of God. God. And then we're told that peace of God will not just be this ethereal thing that we have to grab onto once in a while, but it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It will guard our heart. The throne room of your life, the epicenter, the power center of your life, where your emotions and your beliefs are, he will guard that. 
And he will also guard your mind. That's what we're talking about here. A war of our minds. He will guard that. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. And Philippi was a city in Macedonia that was a garrison city. Now a garrison city is a city in the Roman Empire that is strategically placed. But is also strategically vulnerable. They don't want anyone to infiltrate that. So the Roman Empire would build a garrison city. Where they would put up extra walls. They would put extra troops. They would put extra security to make sure no one breached that city. Here Paul chooses his words carefully and he says that the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Just as they were a guard city for the Roman Empire. He is saying God will build a wall around your heart and mind and he will protect you. And he will be the one that gives you peace. Anxiety is you trying to guard your own heart and mind. Peace is Christ guarding your heart and mind. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. One of the biggest hurdles I have had to overcome to overcome anxiety in my life is I thought that if I stopped being anxious, I was being irresponsible. Not only that, but there have been times in my life where I thought that other people that weren't anxious were just irresponsible. And if they were more responsible, then maybe they would be more anxious like me. Maybe it's oldest child syndrome. I don't know. A lack of anxiety to me meant irresponsibility because I'm not taking care of things. I'm not concerned about other people. Do I really love people if I'm not anxious on their behalf about things they're not even anxious about? One of the biggest things I had to overcome was this idea that a lack of anxiety meant irresponsibility. And this verse helps. Because here's the thing, peace isn't just an empty mind. Peace is a mind full of the right things. And we need to be filled with these things because it leads to rejoicing and it leads to worship of God. The opposite of anxiety is not emptying our minds and just being a drone going around not thinking about anything. No, it's a mind full of these things. It's a mind full of rejoicing and worship of God. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Once again, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We've talked about this a couple times now in Philippians. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Here, it's key. He's saying, don't just think the way that I think, but act in the way that I'm acting. As I imitate Christ, imitate me and you will have the peace of God with you. So in light of what the scriptures say here, what do we need to do in order to overcome our anxiety? Number one, first, we need to obey these verses. We need to obey what these verses are telling us to do. We, keep, we need to quit trying other techniques to overcome anxiety, to numb anxiety, to distract ourselves from anxiety. And we need to obey these verses. We need to do what God is prescribing here, he's given us a recipe for overcoming anxiety. And we need to trust that
that his word is true. We need to trust and obey him. We sang that last week. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. We need to trust that his word has something to say about our anxiety. Talked about this a little bit earlier, but social media is not helping our anxiety. It has certainly not helped mine. Having social media on our phones is like a double whammy because it's right there with us and there's this social media cycle that takes place where we're anxious about something we have a triggering thought that makes us anxious like all people do it's just life things give us anxiety or make us think too much about something or we start worrying or fearing and we're scared of that thought we're afraid of where it's going to go and so we run to things like social media and other things but we run to social media and we distract ourselves And we spend time playing games and flipping through social media and reading the news and checking our email and responding to texts and emails. And then we go back to the thing that triggered our anxiety and that situation is worse. So then we're more anxious and then we go back to the social media. I've gotten to the point where I've removed most everything from my phone to the point where it's a phone. I often put it up on a high shelf where I can't see it. I turn the ringer on in case there's an emergency and someone needs to call me, but I'm trying to not use it more and more. I'm keeping it out of my pocket. I've buried the email app in case I need it, but it's not readily available. I have no social media on my phone. I have a sports app. It drives me crazy. I should get rid of that too. It just makes me more anxious about things that don't matter. This may be putting it strongly, but I think it's true. If I was an alcoholic, I would not carry liquor in my pocket. If it's causing you more anxiety, maybe you shouldn't carry it around all the time, and maybe more of your life should be lived off of it. Obey what God's word is telling you to do. He has shown us what to do to overcome our anxiety, but we keep feeding the anxiety instead of obeying God. Second, we need to get help. We need to get help. We need spiritual help. The first step could be you telling someone, hey, I'm anxious. This is the fourth time I've preached this sermon today, and after every sermon, I've had at least two people contact me or walk up to me, text me, email me, and say, hey, I need to talk to someone about my anxiety. When you admit that you're anxious, that you struggle with anxiety, you're going to find a big old anxious family of people that struggle as well. And if you should be able to admit that and talk about it anywhere, it should be in the church. So talk about your anxiety. Talk to a mature believer. Talk to an older disciple. Talk to a community group leader or member. Talk to a staff member here at church, a biblical counselor, one of your pastors. Talk to someone about your anxiety. Second, you may need to seek medical help as well. If you are struggling with chronic anxiety that does not seem to be connected to particular circumstance, if you are having physical manifestations of anxiety, if anxiety is causing you to distract yourself or numb yourself in damaging ways, you should see a medical professional. You should go to a general practitioner that you trust and tell them that you are struggling with anxiety. I did that four years ago. I went to my doctor and I told him about the anxieties I was facing We were able to change some dietary things and some supplements I was taking. It changed my gut health. It changed my anxiety. I also went to biblical counseling. And it helped me fight the battle of anxiety in my life. So get the help that you need. Third, rest in the good news. 
Rest in the good news of what God has already done for you. That Ebenezer that Caitlin taught, taught us about, as we hold up a stone of remembrance for God, how God has provided, God instructs his people, don't just tell your kids. Have them tell their kids and their kids and their kids. And then either in First Samuel or Joshua, I can't remember where it is, it says, and those stones are still there to this day to remember what the Lord has done. Rest in the good news of what Christ has done. Because here's the thing. He has always been at hand. And that's good news for our past because he's forgiven our sin. That's good news for us today because if we are in Christ, he's sent his spirit to live inside of us. That's good news for today because Jesus right now sits on a throne and he says, take heart for I have overcome the world. And on the cross, he said, it's finished. And then he sat down at the right hand of God because his work was finished. He's given us everything we need for today, for life and godliness and for the future. Someday he will come again and he will sit on an earthly throne And we will be in perfect peace for all time. Our whole life will be marked by rejoicing and the peace of God. So we can rest in the good news last. We can help others as we receive help. We can help others as we receive help. Walk alongside others through their anxiety. Share our stories of overcoming anxiety. Share what the Lord has done in us with other people. Uh, This morning, I was sharing about anxiety just like I am now, and uh, someone, a friend, came up to me after one of the services and said, hey, can we just have your kids over for the afternoon so you can rest today? Sometimes we just need to tangibly help people and remove some of their anxiety. Let's help others as we receive help as well. The gospel provides good news for the anxious. Whether you are anxious today, whether you are anxious about big things or everyday things, whether anxiety is a place you visit once in a while or it's a place that you feel like you live, God's word and the good news of the gospel has help for us today. And the Bible doesn't just say, do not be anxious. It reminds us of the good news of what God has done for our anxiety. And once again, I want to encourage you to reach out for help if there's things about today that you want to wrestle through with someone. Would you stand with me? We end each service here at Grace Downtown on our feet as our communication to the Lord, as our prayer, as our declaration that we intend to obey him, not just with our minds and the things we say and think about, but with our hands and our feet as well. Would you pray with me to that end? Father, we want to live a life of rejoicing because you are worthy of our praise and we want to experience the peace of God guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus more and more. God, I pray that it would start with the rest of this day. God, I pray against the enemy who would want to come in and steal away and fill our mind with all the yeah buts and that we would just rest in the good news of what Christ has done, he is doing, and he will do in the future. God, thank you for speaking. Thank you for answering our prayers. Thank you that you go before us, beside us, and behind us. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in grace. We'll see you soon.